Good morning and greet everyone in Christ's name. Uh, titled the message this morning, The Hardest Challenge for a Christian. And um, there are times when I prepare my message, my notes and everything, and then um, somehow some things get added to it. And this morning in scripture reading, um, a couple of the verses that were read, it's like I've got to add them to my message yet. So I quick inserted them in. So it, it, my messages are sometimes kind of fluid, but it, it runs together very well, I believe. So this past week, um, my wife and I were, went with the school children on a, on a camping trip. And on the, in the afternoon, I was in charge of the one group to go hiking. Because uh, you know young children need supervision sometimes. Well, on this state park we went to, they have hiking trails. And it's easy walking. But guess what? The children didn't stay on that path. There was three boys that found the deepest ravine, the biggest log to climb over. And I'm like, why would you do that? There's a trail up here. It's an easy trail. Why, why would you make life hard for yourself? But I mean, they were kiting up and down, tearing through the woods, having a good old time. And, and so you wonder, it's like, well, how does that translate to our Christian life? Are we content to stay on the easy path or do we try to find hard things to do? And that's just a small little illustration, but I would like for all of us to think, just pause for a second and think, what is the hardest challenge you face in your Christian life? I'm not going to ask that you share that, but in your mind, formulate what is the hardest challenge for you as a Christian? I'm going to read a little bit, and I didn't come up with just one thing, because I believe that for... If I was to open it up, you all might come up with a different answer. And it is because we live in different circumstances. Um, we all, our makeup is different, so what, what is the hardest challenge for me might not be the hardest challenge for you. But I believe we all have challenges. In James chapter 1, and this is where I'm going to insert this scripture, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation... For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Could temptation be one of the hardest challenges that you face? And it goes on to say in 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. And along with that is the hardest challenge for a Christian, I believe we see here, is not the problem of God. It's our problem. Because if we would follow God exactly like he says, would you have the challenges that you face, that you thought of in your mind? So the first one that I have, as far as a hard challenge that I believe that, that might resonate with some of us, is that is sharing our faith. Is that the hardest challenge you have? Sometimes it is for me. I don't want to share. I'm going to make a fool of myself if I go talk to this guy. And will he think that I'm crazy? Will I be opposed? Will I be criticized? Will I be mocked if I share anything about the Word of God or even just ask him questions about God? I want to turn to Mark chapter 16.
In Mark chapter 16, um, to give a little background, Jesus had just spent three years leading 12 disciples, teaching them daily, being with them, and, and they were involved in his ministry. And they saw firsthand the miracles. They saw firsthand the redemptive part that he was involved in. So, uh, and you can say that Jesus was involved in humanitarian aid in his disciples because when he fed the 5,000, that was giving them food. And he also was involved in uh, medical work. Uh, lame people came to him, sick came, people came to him, and they were healed. And he was also involved in spiritual work. So Jesus and the 12 disciples had a good thing going. They were ministering to people in, in food, health, and spiritual. And that would, all, all three of those together would make a good missionary. If you were to go to another country and set up a mission, um, those three things are what you kind of want to focus on, on humanitarian aid, uh, even health, setting up a little clinic if it's necessary, and sharing the word of God with them and establishing a church. So you had 12 people, 12 disciples, following Jesus day after day and looking at all his stuff. And you would think, well, what for hardships? What was the biggest challenge for them? And it says, says it in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 and i'm gonna i'm gonna read this verse first and then go back but he, he says to them go ye into all the world and preach a gospel to every creature some translations say all of creation but he's telling them to go into all the world and for that for their the three years i believe they were focused pretty much on just that region if i if i have it correctly now he's telling them go into all the world so what was the biggest problem they faced? If we go back one verse, he says, um, and this was after he had, he had risen from the dead and he appeared to the 12 disciples, or actually the 11, because Judas had left them. But he appeared to the 11, and this is what he said about them. He said, he sat down with them at meat, and then he said, um, about in the middle of the verse, he says, he, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Those were the two challenges that they were facing, is unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, hopefully, none of you picked those two, that your biggest challenge is unbelief and my heart is hard. But that was what the disciples faced, and that was one of their biggest challenges, and Jesus identified it almost immediately. And then right after that, he tells them, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm a firm believer that, um, that after Jesus told him that, because soon after this is when he ascended to heaven. Earlier in his ministry, or it was soon, after, soon before his death, he told them that I am going to send you a comforter, but the comforter will not come until I leave. I would like to think that the disciples remembered that. So when Jesus left, it's like, now what do we do? Oh, Jesus gave us instructions. Go ye into all the world. But where do we go? How do we know? And then the day of Pentecost came, and, and they were filled with the Spirit, and it was like igniting the fire. So that I don't believe that they were, they were faced with the obstacle of unbelief and hardness anymore. So if your biggest obstacle is sharing your faith, 
because you're scared if you'll be opposed, you're scared if you're going to be criticized, or you're going to be scared you're going to be mocked. What is the one ingredient you're missing? Isn't it the fire of the Spirit of God? Saying, I, you no longer care about what people say. And if you stop and think about it, that if you share the good news of God's word, that everything between Genesis and Revelations, you can almost find, you can find pretty much every answer to life's problems in there. So if you have the word of God, you are now a counselor, you're a preacher, you're a messenger of God's word. And while it's not always spelled out word for word, if you see two people arguing, as a Christian, what do you tell them to do? Well, just get along. <laughs> Solve your differences. Where did you learn that? From the Word of God. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just all pack up and go over to Israel and, and Gaza right now and say, just get along. Stop this fighting. But yet, there's, those things happen on a day-to-day -day basis around us. So it's important that you understand that you have the answers to life. Now on the other side is if you do share the word of God or share an answer, how do you feel after you do that? You think, wow, that was so hard, I'm never gonna do it again. Or do you feel blessed after you help somebody? You feel blessed. So why don't you keep doing it? But we go back to work, we go back to our routine. And so it is, it is important that we help people and sharing the word of God, like some people say, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Because that's all we are. We're just here on this earth trying to figure out how to live in a sense. And once we find the truth, the word, word of God, now we're going to go tell other people where to find truth and find the word of God. So that might be one of the biggest challenges as a Christian is to share your faith. I would also like to insert here that... <clears throat> There are people, I believe, that are called, and you might say, well, the message of Mark 16, 15 says, go yell at the world. They did that. They went out through the known world and spread the word of God. That was their job. Now, ever since that first century, we can sit at home and not go anywhere. But if there is one person here or two people or three people, and I don't, th I don't think for one minute that Dwight would mind if half the church would get called and spread throughout the whole world. And so now, here on a Sunday morning, we'd have 10 people. Well, where did our people go? They spread the word of God. They're out there spreading the word of God. I believe that God would bless those of you. And if there's one person here that feels that call, but it says, I'm not sure how the church would feel about that if I would leave. I would hope that we all say, go. If you're called of God, that's what it says in, in Mark 16. Go ye into all the world. And we also have the argument in our minds that, well, if we would all go, who would pay the bills? If we'd all go, who would support them? If we'd all be called, God would find a way. But even if there's one person in here that feels that call, I believe it's important to heed that call and to answer that. There are short-term short missionaries, and, and the definition for a missionary is a person that carries the word of God to a foreign land. So you're the ambassador of God's word. <clears throat> when I ask the question, what is the hardest challenge for a Christian? Um, 
There are some other things that I wrote down and that I got from, from some other, uh, some reading. One of them would be temptation, and I read that in, in um, James. What about um, lack of forgiveness? That might be an obstacle, a hard challenge. What about hardness of heart? Um, what are, and, and there are some other things that could block you. So whatever you think of, th- those things could actually stop you from sharing the faith. Is the hardest challenge for a Christian. Now, just like this past week when those school children, when they took off, and you know, I mean, they went down in some hard spots and skidded and got dirty and climbed up over big logs and all that kind of stuff, went through places where there were spider webs and some people even got ticks. Why would you go and do that? And it was for the sake of adventure. It was because they liked the challenge. Do you like a challenge as a Christian? So look at if there's anything that, is a, that you considered the hardest thing in your life, look at that as a challenge. I want to conquer that. I want to overcome it. I want to scale that mountain. I want to go down the ravine. I, I want to climb over the log because that's a challenge to me to overcome that. And also view it as, as removing the blocks that keep you from fully serving God. So some of the things we look at in life, what is the biggest challenge for me? Um, remove that as, as a block because that, that blocks you from serving. I also want to turn to Matthew chapter 22. I'll be reading some verses in there. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. And one person, when, when he thought about the question of what is the hardest thing that Christian faces, maybe the biggest obstacle, um, he came up with obeying the simplest command of God, and that is loving your enemies. Or loving your fellow man. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If all of us would replay this past week in our mind, is there any time that we did not serve the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind? And if you answered yes to that question, why not? Because that's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And you may say, well, I had to work. I couldn't. Can you worship God? and serve God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind at work. What about the second command? It says, um, love your neighbor as yourself. There again, replay this past week. Have you always loved your neighbor or the people that you had relationships with, whether it was at work, shopping, driving? Did you love them as yourself? If the answer is no, why not? Why did you not love your neighbor as yourself? 
Could that be one of the greatest obstacles that we face in our Christian life? Is loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself. When Chase read the, the people group, the description of them, one thing caught my attention. And in that was, their, in their history, they were once believers. What happened? I don't know the answer to that. But somewhere, there was an obstacle, and they did not overcome that obstacle. Could it be that they never followed the first command is to love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind? I probably picked these two out because those are, I think they're very common obstacles or challenges for us as Christians. And there are times I look at somebody and I'm like, why would you act like that? And people can get under your skin. They can irritate you. But it doesn't doesn't mention any clause in here. It doesn't say, love your neighbor as yourself unless they irritate you. Love your neighbor as yourself if you have time. It doesn't say that. It simply says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the first command, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That means 100%. With your heart, your soul, and your mind. That is a challenge that I would like to climb, that I would like to conquer. You see, we like to see, we like to teach that we want people that are changed. I mean, you look at somebody that's not a Christian, and what is the one message you give to them? I want you to accept Christ and to change. To take the old man and put it off and to put on the new man. What happens if that person becomes a radical Christian? Well, I didn't mean quite that radical. Just go back to about 50%. Throttle back a little bit because you're going to embarrass me if you do. Or what do we think? So we want people to become changed and become radical for God, but we, we don't want them to become too radical. That's why the challenge is, is to serve the Lord your God 100% with your heart, 100% with your soul, 100% with your mind. I also hope that others can see improvement in your life. Now, we're not supposed to look at the own improvement because the Bible says that a workman that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So let that job up to others. Um, Sometimes we evaluate ourselves and say, man, I'm doing so good because, you know, last year I would have never done that or I would have, I'm improving. Uh, That might come in the form of pride or, yeah, pride. But let others see the improvement in your life And if there is no growth in your life, then where is the spirit? Where is life? Where where are the, um, why is there not life? Why is there not that giving spirit, that life-giving spirit? I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm reading verses 13 through 25. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. 
<clears throat> and I believe that one of the, um, like I said before, the challenges or the hard challenges that we face as Christians are a lot in our own making. In other words, our own fault. It's not, it's not God saying, I want to make your life hard. Because God says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But we have to yoke ourselves with God. What is our purpose in life? In 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 13, um, he, tells, he gives us a recipe, I believe, of some of the things that we can do to make our life less challenging. Starting in verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I'm going to pause there for just a, a minute. <clears throat> he says here, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner. And it says conversation, but it really means lifestyle. In all manner of your lifestyle. So whether you speak, whether you, the things you do um, action-wise should reflect the holiness of God. Starting, uh, picking back up in 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning, sojourning here in fear. So God does, has no respect of persons, and he judges with no, um, he doesn't say, well, I'm going to pay more attention to the Chinese or to the Africans or to the South Americans. He doesn't do that. He, he has, there's no respect of persons. But he has a perfect judgment. So keep that in mind as we live our life. And he says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Always keep that in mind. Starting in verse, or picking up in 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we were redeemed from corruptible things. <clears throat> we, we, were we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. But our redemption comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. So once we recognize that it is because of the Father, He is going to judge us and He redeemed us with His blood, there is nothing that we can do or say that we make our own salvation. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ and the confession of our sins that, he, that we are made new. And in 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. 
And I look at that word fervently as aggressive. Let's, let's do it with passion. Let's do it with aggressive. We're going to love each other as brethren. And that is what God has called us to do. He gave us glory. He gave us faith. He gave us hope. And then in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For as all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Some of you like to make a name for yourself. I want to be known as the best mechanic. I want to be known as the best farmer. I want to be known as the best cleaner or whatever, the best quilter, whatever occupation you have, you want to be known as the best. Or you want people to remember you. Maybe you're not that way. I'm not really that way, but uh, in some ways I am, but I don't, I don't necessarily plan that after I die that people set up a memorial or put a plaque up. Um, you know, this, if I donate so much money to this church, I can name it the Helmuth Church or the Eldon Church. No, that's not. And, but yet people do that to buildings. They, they donate a lot of money and they want to be remembered. But can you, do you know the person that used to live in two houses down the street 50 years ago? You don't. People die and they are forgotten. People are born and they die and are forgotten. There's very few people in history that you remember. And sometimes we talk, at home we talk about certain people and our children, like, we have no idea who that is. You're like, you don't know who such and such is? I remember them just like, like it was yesterday. The next generation forgets the previous generation so quick. So what is our purpose? And what I'm trying to say is our purpose on life is not to establish a name for ourselves, but it's to give glory to God. And it says for all flesh is as the grass, your glory will fade. So what is your purpose here in life? Verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. And I'm going to leave you with the hope that if you have obstacles you're facing, whether it's sharing the faith, whether it's temptations, whether it's loving your neighbor, or just plain down the dumps, whatever, whatever obstacle you might have is the hardest challenge for you as a Christian, there is hope, and our purpose in life is not ourselves, but it is to serve God. And we have to realize that our value is immeasurable to God. He views us as a per, or people, as an individual, your value is greater than anything you can find on earth. And once you start realizing that you, as a child of God, are more valuable than anything on this earth, and that it's not about you, but it's about God, then I believe that's when we'll start, start realizing that to overcome, and it's like first, in verse 13, it starts, it starts out with, Wherefore, good up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what we live for. We actually live to die. Because once you die, then you live. So I'm going to leave that with you this morning is if there's any obstacles in your life that are, that are keeping you from serving God to the fullest, remove those obstacles to make your life more fruitful. 
and that your reward will be greater in heaven. God bless.